0: Hello and welcome back to the Ad Race podcast. I'm your host Fayola Douglas, and today I'm joined by Elizabeth Anjebner, founder of Sixteen by Nine. Yes, Sixteen by Nine. Sixteen by Nine Media Agency, WACL member, mentor at MEFA, and current Bloom president. Elizabeth champions inclusion and equity, authoring Bloom's Allyship Code of Conduct. She's also a mentor and co-founded the Inclusion Group Bloom in Color. Hi, welcome. Thank you. So we're going all the way back to the start of your career so oh, yeah. this could be um an interesting chat for you probably probably things that you haven't spoken about for quite a while yeah. um so we're starting off with the fact that you studied law I did um how did studying law lead you into advertising good question I um so I studied so studied law
1: was my second degree I actually had English and literature as my first in defiance of my uh, dad who wanted me to study law only to end up doing it um, and I did think that I would end up on that path. Um, however, I'd already, I'd already uh, gotten a job at Sky right at the beginning. It was in in, in the traffic, which I didn't even know sort of existed. I have to confess, and and so I fell into media. Thought I would still be on the on on the path of law. Loved the studying of it. Went to college of law, everything, but the actual. Um, creativity and the sort of immersion of, of content and things like that drew me where I ended up sort of staying in, in media. So I, I fell into it, I would say, which a lot of people do, you know, uh, certainly on, me, on, on the media advertising side of things. Um, and yeah, sort of decided not to carry on in the legal bit other than applying my, you know, uh, legalese knowledge when I'm speaking to lawyers in the media world.
0: Yeah, I guess it helps to have that level of understanding Mm. when you're having those conversations. So looking back towards the start of your career, what really attracted you to the world of advertising and marketing? So I know you studied law, but you were always looking in that direction. Um, Do you know why? Yeah, well, I mean, do you know what? It's funny, you know how you, you know, I'm a great believer in manifestation. (laughs) And so I
1: always, you know, used to switch on MTV and think, God, I'd love to. Sort of work, you know, at at somewhere like that, and um, what really I would say attracted to me, apart from the social element of it, the buzz and the um, you know um, variety, is and the content, which is which is brilliant because obviously I've been a lot of time in the youth and um, young kids sort of you know content. It's just the ability to be able to be expressive and be me. Um, And so that's what attracted me to it in the end, uh, really. Uh, Yeah, I would say. And yeah, and I met some amazing people in in, in the process.
0: Yeah. And you were saying then that you grew up watching MTV. You obviously ended up working for many years at MTV. Yes. Um, How was that time in your career?
1: How do you know it was? It was brilliant. Of course, it was. You know, uh, um, it's quite. It's one of those sort of. It was like work hard, play hard, <laughs> type setups. Um, so you did. You did. You know, there was an, an awful lot of um, information. A, a lot of things you needed to learn. You were dealing with clients. Uh, a lot of money. Uh, your clients' money, um, and so you needed to make sure that you delivered. Um, it was very sort of fast paced, and. And so, yeah, but, but there was a social sort of side to it as well. You meet you make people, you're out and about. It's not for the I mean, now I would say is it certainly would attract more the introvert, but it's, it's it's not for the introvert, not that I am an extrovert, but you need to be able to kind of like just roll with things and and sort of uh, uh, take 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 what comes your way. So it was certainly hectic, um, certainly more um I wouldn't say it was mad men, but it's less mad men now than it was in those days. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, compared to now.
0: So as you became more established, you obviously were working in broadcasting. Um, tell me about your route into Turner Broadcasting and what what specifically was Turner Broadcasting kind of
1: working on? So Turner uh, Broadcasting, yes. So they, they um, well now, a, you know now Warner actually has um, sort of Turner, but they were sort of partners with uh, Turner. But they have, um, well, I worked with Cartoon Network, um, Boomerang. Um, So the kids' channels, actually, which I have a soft spot for. I always, the content, you know, I guess because you could just, I don't know, you could still be, you could, you know, create content that's all lovely and just (sighs) nice and, you know, you could go back, you know, to that sort of childhood and just produce content for kids. And it's just, you know, um, yeah, I I have a soft spot for that area. So, yeah, Boomerang as well with all the the classics. So your... um, uh, classes that I actually I even grew up with really cartoon wise like a Scooby-Doo's and 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 the like and um I I handled uh, all the uh, the spots which is what we call it sort of the straight trade sort of commercial um spot advertising but mainly the sponsorship and partnerships which meant that I fun, got
0: that's the more the fun stuff fun the more creative stuff, stuff, stuff,
1: exactly so I got to deal with the production companies put concept together for um, you know, for the ideas for the microsites as well as, obviously, what's going on air, dealing with loads of toy brands and, you know, brands targeting kids um, and youth, you know, films. So, yeah, uh, but, of course, with the commercial cycles, obviously, I'm negotiating with these clients and getting, you know, to get the sponsorships on or the partnerships or whatever, branded content on. And so, uh, yeah, I spent... I, 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 I did a, a, a long stint there, really, Um uh, and, and thoroughly enjoyed it, I have to say.
0: Yeah. So broadcasting obviously changed quite a lot whilst you were at Turner. Like, did this change your role? Like, so just thinking about, like you were talking about the micro sites kind of coming about and people being. Um, so much more keen to kind of be online or people, yeah. people kind of using their phone or their, their yeah. computer whilst watching the TV and exactly and having right. that awareness and yeah
1: very very different yes, you're right. We certainly moved on from the TV being the main um, uh, place to, to to sort of watch content to it being multi um, uh, media and therefore fragmenting the media because obviously you know particularly whichever gen you want to look at you know um we could and even us you know we, we could consume, we consume it in a different way so yes I, I mean i was around when or started or part of my career when we even moved into online and it was at that point it was viewed as a uh, Oh, you know, we have our you know budget. You know, we're doing sort of on air, and um, and then we'll just allocate a certain percentage to that digital thing. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I was head I was head of digital actually at Firecom, which is where um, MTV is initially for MTV and uh, Nickelodeon sites before I then went back into on air. So it did change, and it's been um, fast actually in having to move with it, particularly now. You know, compared to then, which was still. TV and digital, a bit more traditional in 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 how media was um, bought and and consumed. To like like you rightly said, now on mobile, you know you're putting, you know slotting. Um, I mean, uh, you're moving with your content. Um, you know all sorts of like uh, platforms that we're sort of using, consuming content in more sort of shorter segments compared to long form, which is what TV is. And I still think still delivers the best by way of quality just saying um and so we just had to adapt you know to the way people are and how we live you know um although at at the end of the day there's still nothing like sitting together switching that television on and watching you know some content together it still has its place whether it's sports or you know those kind of like big moments you know big
0: moments like we're in an olympic year we're in olympic year see like people come together at that time people want it Right now, and they want to be part of that moment. Absolutely,
1: yeah. So it still plays its part, I think. It all plays its part in the, in the end of the day,
0: yeah. So you then went on to work at Sky and also A&E, the a yeah. Television Networks. Yeah. How did you find those roles in comparison, I guess, to Turnip Broadcasting, was it...? like a, a different, a completely different level?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, yes, uh, so because I started at Sky, so it was go back to my alma mater, um, then moved to, obviously, like I said, MTV and uh, Viacom, and then a stint in Africa before coming to Turner, and then, um, and then back at Sky. And so Sky was very familiar territory, of course, but I went there in a shorter, for a shorter uh, role, almost consultative really. And I, I deliberately did that to make myself feel a bit uncomfortable, so that I could shift into what is now where I am, as in being an entrepreneur. Because I would stay safe in this corporate yeah. space, you know. And so those last two roles, that and Amy Networks, again on the partnership side of things, you know, um, and dealing with uh, the channels that Sky and Any had, um, so familiar, obviously on on you know um, on air and sponsorships and you know everything in and around it. Um, but I, I I took shorter roles there to 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 make myself a little bit uncomfortable so that I could then launch sixteen by
0: nine yeah and the last one in this section, so do you have any advice for someone new in the industry looking to reach that next level working in the marketing and partnership side of, of broadcasting?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say, particularly or even now in my journey is. Build your network or get into a network, be part of a network um, it can be overwhelming, otherwise you know really you wouldn't know where to where to start, like I said, I fell into media i didn't even know half these roles i'd never even heard of advertising, really, I mean, I did, but you only think of TV from what you see, you know, which is presenters and content and things like that i didn't know there was a big machine happening behind you know the scenes in that way, you know so um, definitely do your research. Um go on now the beauty of social and the beauty of online is you could just follow, you could see what people are doing and are about, you see what networks they're in, and then you then join those networks. Um, and when I say networks, I don't mean networks by way of, um, obviously, on-air um, on, on uh, broadcasters. I mean by way of um, networking, you know, and building and that way. Um, definitely find a mentor, you know, who can um guide you um uh they are so important i feel i didn't really have a medal ad champions um and i think it's important to do that to kind of just give you some idea of um what it's all about and and help you guide sort of guide you but definitely take risks you know do it you know at the end of the day what's the worst that can happen you've tried it and then you carry on i'd say you do something even if it doesn't work out
0: it's better than not doing it at all that would be certainly my advice So you founded 16 by 9 Media in 2019. What gap did you identify in the market? Why was it the right time? So I've been thinking about
1: being an entrepreneur for ages or, you know, certainly a founder. It's always been niggling. It's been a scratch that I just haven't itched. (laughs) You know, and... um, But I got sort of you know, when you're a corporate, you know, you sort of uh, get comfortable. Not that it was uh, completely comfortable, even though I did approach uh, my work in an entrepreneurial manner. So I knew I was going to do that. Just did it maybe later than I'd have planned. Um, and then, uh, like I said, I made myself uncomfortable a little bit. I, in a way, kind of preparing myself, I suppose, for it. Um, and uh, what I recognised was, or what we recognised as awesome, I'm a co-founder, um, was that you have sort of media agencies, you know, that tend to be not always, you know, more coming from a media agency um, um, background with, you know, planner, buyer, et cetera, and then they set up, and which means that they um, sort of follow that path, and also marketing and everything in and around it. And then you have those, you know, who have the background, but my my sort of background, which is more sort of... Um, and media sales and and so sort of broadcasts and um, other uh, media and being near, closer to the content and what I found because I used to do with media agencies all the time of course was um you you we, we you didn't always have that i suppose that business um perspective you know from the clients you know um as well as the content you know pr- you know provider in a way you know so we could, uh, what what we found was that certainly looking at um, those brands who are looking to sort of scale up, which, you know, the TV and uh, video um, does for brands, really, because obviously it's above the line, it's sort of more broad scale. So we could provide that or look at that, which, you know, there were more digital uh, first brands or digital native brands that are coming up, looking to kind of, you know, scale up and like, oh, this is brilliant because it's obviously way more, particularly post-pandemic, when everyone scrambled to realise that they actually need a website, <laughs> you know, and, and and they and they need to actually then scale up, you know, because they're, you know, people that don't really know their brand or sort of know their brand, but they need to, they need so. So we were there for those digital, digital um, first uh, brands. Um, but then coming from our perspective, which is having being close to, say, retailers, close to the content, because obviously work to broadcasters um, and work with creative directors and director of programs and so on, programming and so on, and production, you know, because we produce as well, because so we do end-to-end. So I would say, in short, you know, it's um, providing that service for those brands who want to look to scale up, who want, uh, you know, someone or, a, a, a you know, a nimble... Uh, indie you know to work with them as as if as if we're part of their sort of business really because that's how we approach things and to be able to kind of like come at it from that angle like by way of what you know really understanding the audience really understanding the content um that what that's best you know as well as context when we're putting our ads in the context around whatever you know uh, programming or content they want to put it around while looking at producing the ad if they need us to you know so a little bit different to your standards sort of what's your audience we'll go and you know assess the data we'll come back we'll deliver you this but then you now need to go and speak to the broadcaster or whoever it is wherever it is you're going to now actually have it fulfilled because we don't necessarily do that bit we know both sides
0: does that mean that you often know which broadcaster you're going to be targeting when you're creating that content so you can factor all of that in. I understand.
1: We we you, I instinctively know when someone says where this is my audience. You know already, before then obviously, following up with actually backing it up and because you just you never want to assume things. You know, um, backing it up with um, actual data and insight and so on. But you have a sense already of where they are, what they're doing, what they're consuming, and we know. The, the, the you know the the um, platform owners or the content sorry the uh, broadcasters um, on the other side having worked there well, I, I I know certainly having haven't worked there to be as in really know the way it works as in the yeah. way content is produced you know the pressures of the ops you know you know yes no that's actually not going to be compliant so let 's deal with that before we even get there, yeah. you know all those little sort of nuggets that you may not necessarily um, have in uh, in your more traditional uh, um, uh, media agency and um, and we 're senior, you know, so we really come at it you know from like a business um, sort of what are your KPIs and I challenge things you know where we think actually do you know what yeah that you might be thinking this but how about this wild card con- consideration you know so yeah, I would say that 's how we that's what we yeah. yeah thought to provide
0: and having more of an indie structure, does that mean that you 're able to sometimes get these projects finished end to end quite quickly like quicker I guess than um, other agencies or that they might be considering
1: yes exactly they're absolutely quicker Um, we don't have ridiculous costs Um, we are nimble in that we will partner with others you know so we're one of those Um, we don't claim to know everything so we're not going to we're more specialised in, in 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 on-screen type of media, whether it's TV, whether it's you know YouTube, whether it's um, cinema or digital outdoor that type of on-screen video because that's our yeah, that's, that's where we come from. Um, we're less likely to do an SEO, but we will, we have an affiliate where we would work with them, and I think. It's better to have experts in that in that space. Not that we don't know it, but, yeah. you know, who really breathe and live it. And so we can work with partners. Let's say if a client has a, their own creative agency, because we produce, we're very knowledgeable when it comes to that. So they could produce the ad and do it, but they you know, may not necessarily know what is... Compliant when it comes to clearcast, say for example, you know, for going on air, that is. And we know that because, well, yeah. we put things on air and we know how to ensure that works, you know, and so on. So that's kind of, uh, uh, we've got a certain agility, I would say. Um, and, and like I said, you know, doing the media, sort of doing the strategy planning and, and buying of media, but we also produce means that we go sort of end to end, really, um, with clients and, and provide yeah. that type of service.
0: And I guess when it comes to compliance, having that experience working on the children's networks is probably really helpful because I think that's one of the areas where there's been so so many changes over the years and Mm -hmm. it's like constantly... changing the goalposts aren't they as to to what can 100% yeah, be on those channels
1: yes exactly whether you know you've got hfss which obviously high fat um, sugar and salt brands or not or you know having something that will have to go post 9 p.m. and we would instinctively go okay this script it's going, to, it's going to be post 9, 9 yeah. p.m. So you either have another one or we come up with something, you know, or we know to be able to kind of maybe go, well, actually, you know, this should be okay, you know, or you just need an extra level of um, explanation, you know, and we just are, so, we, we, so we're very, very aware of all of those things. Yes, particularly having worked in the youth and Kids' world where those types of things are really um, um, looked at seriously, and then apply my legal mind, <laughs> so talking to lawyers or talking to the um, you know um, the regulators, you know, um, um, quite comfortably, you know, in that sort of space. Yeah, sort
0: of helps. So, what's your biggest motivation? I guess as a co-founder.
1: Ooh, right. So I motivation. Do you know what? Right, I think the because I mean, being a co-founder, I, I've got to be honest. I mean, someone said to me once, "You know what? It can be a lonely place, which it can be because you are hustling, you are juggling, and you are having to make decisions. And unless you find a network where there are co other people who are like you, um, you, you you can sometimes feel ah, okay. What what what? You know, this is kind of a bit much sometimes." But the beauty of it is, I guess, the flexibility it affords me. Um, I have kids, you know, and I'm able to be around them, you know. Um, It's allowed me to meet so many wonderful people and do other things, which sometimes I think I do too much, you know, but it allows me that flex to be able to do that and um, sort of dictate things as much as one can do my way, you know, uh, by being a, a co-founder, yeah, so I would say yeah, that, that really is what is the beauty of it, you know, you're always on the go, I've had that entrepreneurial mindset, even when I was a corporate world and I approach whatever I do in that manner um, and definitely not um, a more of a lateral, kind of multi type person, you know um, as opposed to binary or
0: one-dimensional yeah so you've spoken about blending purpose and career and how does 16 by 9 media really fit into that that way of way of thinking and approaching things oh yeah
1: no definitely and uh, like I said to you before about you know do too much I, I you know I, I actually do but that gives me purpose you know and um, they both kind of cross over to to each other so so, for example, we have we have our brands, we have our clients, but I'm actively seeking black owned brands, you know, black owned black owned uh, uh, businesses, because I feel that they um, not all, of course, some do well with their marketing and so on. But a lot of time is very much reliant on organic. And I want to, you know, be that agency to support, say, that type of um uh, business you know to uh, get them to a space where they have more exposure for the brand and then they grow say so that's applying my marketing and advertising knowledge and experience and I, I'm talking particularly black owned because we well, you know I represent that. That, that community in that way, um, or women-owned, say, as well, the same sort of thing. You know, those sorts of, you know, areas where they're a little bit more pressured, whether it comes from by way of not getting access to funding in the same way, or and therefore every, you know, piece of money that they are spending is really, you know, um, stressed, I suppose. So to actually provide support, you know, for those types of... Um, um, Uh, those types of brands. So that's on the 16 by nine. But of course, then I do all the other stuff that I do, which I'm sure we sort of talk about, you know, which, which kind of crosses over. So when I'm out on a panel or I'm out at an event and I'm talking about other things that matter to me, um, I'm representing 16 by nine as well as representing me in, in, you know, in, 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 in the other guises that I have to kind of get that message across uh, in, in relation to what gives me purpose, which is, you know, driving for that equality for women, for women of colour and other sort of uh, marginalised groups, you know, really that don't quite have that voice. You know, but certainly for me in, in my, my two uh, shoes as a woman um, and, all, you know, um, a black woman, you know, um, who's a business owner and a, yeah. a founder of a media agency and there aren't many of us around. Definitely not.
0: So tell me about some of your best moments, like any specific clients or projects with um, 16 by 9 that really stand out to you um, from founding the agency in 2019 to now. You've got, you've got a few years under your belt already. I do,
1: yes. I mean, I love all the clients, of course, um, and they've all been great in that, you know, like I said, we do with a lot of them, uh, you know, to look to scale up. So, you know, you, you find that you're part of the business, then as a result, you're really sort of... Um, Seeing you know the impact you have, but I have to say I I you know we we had a, a recent one um well not recent as a campaign called uh, as a brand called naturally naturally tua, and it's a beauty brand and. Um, I mean, the, the founder is just awesome. You know, her name is Shalom Lloyd. And we've actually just got an MBE. So she's obviously doing something well in the community. And her background is science. Um, and um, she does other stuff, you know. It's just, she's STEM background and she does other stuff in the community to support, you know, people um, there. But this brand is, again, she's black. It's a black-owned brand. Not that she puts that forward. But for me, I, I you know, I take I take that on board. It's not only targeting, it's targeting everyone, of course, it's for everybody. And we uh, took, um, she was sitting in the sort of digital space and we brought up Scaled Up where we ran a, a campaign for her uh, last year on Sky, it was big, um, it, um, her first ad, which we created, and, um, and, and sort of scaled her up in that manner, like, you know, and, and, and she's, she's soaring, she's now B Corp um, certified, obviously it's not, all to do with 60 by numbers, but we're part, we're part, part of, of that story. journey, exactly, yeah. she's got her MBE, you know, she's doing amazing things, and the brand is just such a beautiful brand, so it's lovely when you're that close to that, you know, um, type of product that is doing you know what it's doing. It's wonderful skincare, um, uh, a product uh, as for adults uh, as well as kids actually, um, and but also the purpose that kind of comes with it as well because of the amazing work that they do and to then be able to be part of that and support that as well. So I would say certainly that one, and it's not it's 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 a, a you know still on its way up you know so not as big as some of the other on uh, more high-profile, you know, uh, brands, but it's, it's a beautiful uh, um, one to be part of, I would say. So, yeah, that's for me.
0: Do you work with brands of different sizes, like at any part of their journey, from, like, smaller brands to household names? Yes, yes, we
1: do. Yeah, we work across board. I mean, we would work with any brand that wants to work with us. I would say that, yeah, um, yeah essentially, because of the medium that we uh, work on, it tends to draw those types of brands that want scale, um but yeah we do we just do attract though those that are looking to scale up you know in the main which tends to be your smes or your middles you know are on the way up as opposed to the full-on established been around for hundreds of years type yeah. thing um although we're, yeah like i said we're fine with any
0: of those so now we're going to move on to focus like solely on diversity and inclusion um so, have you felt like the conversations around race have changed a lot since the start of your career? Kind of thinking all the way, all the way back to MTV Sky, days, yeah, I yeah. guess. Turner yeah. Broadcasting, Sky, all of them. Like, has it changed a lot? And, and was there a was the most significant change you noticed during kind of that twenty twenty period around mm. George Floyd's murder? I definitely yeah. think there's
1: a fundamental difference. Certainly, I mean, there was um definitely over the years the 2020 was a a marker 100% i would say um in the dialing up of talking um or just shining a light on um stuff that we just already know you know or did know but didn't really necessarily um, have in the um four like that so yeah there's a massive difference i think um sadly as a result of 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 obviously what happened um, compared to yeah earlier days hundred percent.
0: And how important is diversity and inclusion in in your business specifically?
1: Yeah, I mean I I live and breathe it, you know. So yeah, I, I, you know, um, it's very important I think, and it uh, and I know some people or, or there are there's you know some schools of thought that say diversity is post you know we're post that or um it's dead even some people have sort of said now i think it's all about how you define what diversity actually means and um at the end of the day you can't argue i don't think with having um more impact if you have more diverse thought you know informing any creative decision or anything you're doing versus having one type you know, um, informing something you know important. So, it's it's yeah. it's something that is something that I live in and breathe for sixteen by nine, as well as anything else I do really to try and ensure that there's representation and that voices are heard. You know, where where but but authentically. Yeah, authentically. Yeah,
0: we've got a few initiatives I guess that are focused around. Um, advertising and marketing agencies to get more diversity within their their teams is there the same level of like focus on getting kind of more diverse people into media the media side of things do you yeah think?
1: I would say that there's definitely more um, there has been more intent you know around getting a more a more of a representation you know, having a more diverse workforce and that's across board. You know uh, of you know within the different types of you know marginalization um you know to ensure that there's representation, particularly when we're media you know if you're talking to an audience, you kind of want to inform your output so that you you know land in an authentic manner um, and if there are groups that are less than you've got a mass you know then you kind of need to reconfigure to make sure that you are. Uh, representative, you know. So, yeah, definitely um, there, there, there is there is that uh, need um, and I think it's really important. It's just, like I said, I don't think it stops that diversity, which I think, you know, it tends to happen. Inclusion, I think, is very important, you know, because at the end of the day you can look to recruit, you know, which I think, like I said, more, there's more of an intention to do that, but Maybe I would dare I say not as much, you know, um, not as much effort put into the actual retention side of things. And if someone sort of comes in and they don't feel like they're included or they don't feel like they belong, they're more likely to, to then leave. You know, and I think that's where the industry still needs to work on on doing stuff. And equity, to me, out of the DEI, is I think the most important because. You can try and be diverse or be representative, but if you're not ensuring that there's equality by way of, of equity there's an if there's an imbalance there then it's not I don't think it's, it's going to work because you still have things around then gender pay gap why you still have things around an ethnicity pay gap why why is there a difference between so one, you know, someone from one ethnicity background and another when everything else is the same by way of, you know, uh, skills and so on. It shouldn't be, you know. And there's no, um, there's no impar- you know, there's no sort of... Um, companies don't have to uh, declare that or, or make it right. You know, they do it because, obviously, there's pressure on them to do it. You know, and I, I don't know how, anyone who could argue for that you know disparity in 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 or imbalance in that equity you know so yeah i think that it's you know there's still work to do there's definitely intention um there's a lot of pressure in the in the world as we know which has put pressure on businesses so it's one of many things they have to do but i would argue it's not a nice to have it should be part of the kpi it should be just woven in like anything else because Stats and actual results show that if you have a diverse workforce, they feel included, that you are um, making them feel like they belong, and you've ensured an equality by way of treatment, you will get, or you're more likely to get, a positive
0: return. Yeah. So you're president of Bloom. Yeah. And am I right in saying Bloom provides strategic leadership and direction for a 450-member women's network? Mm-hmm. That's correct. So what drew you towards Bloom as an organisation? Were you a member there before you became president? Became president?
1: Yeah. yeah, I was a member. I was a member for a couple of years. Um, I was head of allyship, actually, <laughs> you know, before I became the uh, president. Uh I like I said remember I mentioned before about networks and I think it's it's important to be to be um to be part of one if you can um I went to what is called Bloomfest which is uh, their um annual um annual summit annual sort of you know day of um amazing workshops and thoughts you know um uh pieces from uh keynote speakers and you know, in and everything was around it. And I just thought it was... I, w- I went to one in 29... Uh, 29- it was before the pandemic, so it was 2019, yes. And I was just blown away. I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it was just very... It was punchy. They didn't... They didn't... You know, they didn't pull punches. They they were raw. And they were just obviously talking all about, you know, um, you know this drive for gender equality um, and getting allies on board, you know, to be part of that narrative... And show spot and lighting, and you know, looking to develop um, uh, women, provide support a support a supporting place for them, and so on. So then I then joined as a result, and um, like I said, I became head of um, allyship. I've uh, I did co-found uh, Bloom Color because even though Bloom was amazing, they were kind of falling into the trap of not being representative in their elite LT. So Blooming Color was there to kind of, you know, make Bloom more. Diverse by way of you know ethnicity certainly, um, and then you know and then I became the president. Of Bloom three
0: Years later. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you co-founded Bloom and Color. So, um, just a bit of an explanation: it. They're an inclusive group for women of color and allies to support and elevate voices, informing a broader network of the ethnicity considerations within Bloom. Mm-hmm. Um, You've explained a bit about kind of why it was important to to form Bloom and Color as part of Bloom's remit. Do you think that this is something that more networks and groups that are focused on women, I guess, need to think about their own like diverse range of voices within within their groups, and that that's you know really important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I would say I mean I
1: this year for maybe uh, as as president um I've um. My 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 thing this year, and I'm very passionate about it, is intersectionality and apl- a, p- applying that intersectional lens. And um, I think it's it's a great barometer, but also a bit ba- a great lens, you know, really um, into um, ensuring that we are considering even, we're not a monolith. You know, we may be all women, say for example, but we're not. We don't have exactly the same life experiences, some would have privileges in one space others won't, you know, others would have pri- privileges in other spaces that you may not necessarily have considered because you may be bunching one into a box, you know, and so if you apply that intersectional lens then you're ensuring that all those groups, whether it's neurodivergent, um, whether it's um, LGBTQ+, you know, whether it's um, parents uh, you know, over 40s, um, so looking at menopause or, you know, women's health, all those sorts of things, you know, um, as well as, obviously, ethnicity and so on. That's all kind of covered. Yeah, so I think networks, it's quite a lot, but we. I, I describe intersectionality as a kaleidoscope, you know, and it's got its little specks and little beautiful sort of colours, yeah, that are individuals, that's us. But then it creates this broader amazing image, which is all of us. And I think that's how the world is. I mean, I think that's how we are. So we can't be applying, you know, one you know, type of thing when we are not one in that way, as in we are individual. So, yeah.
0: And you've spoken a bit about the the gender pay gap. Mm. Um, what other big challenges do you think there are f- that women are seeing across the the... Industry, obviously, the pay gap is one. Are there any other like key challenges that we're still trying yeah. to solve? I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're still trying to sort of solve that. I mean, we don't have, um, although there is some progress in um, getting uh, women into senior leadership, you know, in C-suite positions on the board, particularly when you're looking at your footsie. know 100 500 you know the 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 level of uh, percentage of of men versus women is still low um some you see some reports where they say there's there's progress that's been made um but if you were to dig down you'll find that that includes non-exec roles that aren't as in directors, you know, who aren't necessarily paid in the same way, right? So, yes, there may be some progress, and, of course, it's a good vehicle, non-exec um, roles, but, you know, there's still something to And then if you then drill down to looking at, say, black women, say, for example, in senior uh, leadership, the numbers are minuscule. Or if you're looking at, you know, those with um, visible disability, or invisible disability, or and so on and so forth, and I think that's as as women, you know. So if you start drilling down in that in that way, then you find that the numbers are even smaller. So there's there's a lot of work still to be done. I think it's on the radar, but um, if you still have situations where you've got you're battling against um certain establishments. Obviously, obviously we've seen this stuff, you know, um, in um whether it's the police, obviously not all police are, are are like um what we've sort of seen, but certainly elements, you know, where you're still having to, you know, push against um women needing to feel like they are safe, say, for example, you know, walking yeah. the streets or, you know, um, all that, then there's there's a lot that we kind of still have to do.
0: Yeah. Sadly. Exactly. Yeah. And What's the best way, I guess, for people to um, get involved with Bloom? Like, mm. is there? Do you have a, a summit coming up? Do you have a Bloom Bloom Fest? Yes,
1: we do actually.
0: <laughs> Funny, she'd ask that question. Yes, we do. It's on the seventh of February.
1: Yes, very soon. Mm, yes, very soon. Yes, Bloom Fest is on. Um, excited and exhausted. <laughs> uh, you know, the team are working on it. Yeah, there's. Um, you know, workshops, there's panels. This year the theme is The Lift and it's all about, you know, maybe people feel inspired and um, yeah, we, we, we can't wait to, uh, to to do that on the 7th of Feb.
0: Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Fairleigh Douglas and I've been joined by Elizabeth Anyang Bunner, founder of 16 by 9 Media Agency and president of Bloom. So we were just finishing off talking about Bloom. So where can people find out more information about Bloom and about Bloomfest that's coming up?
1: Yes, sure. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Yes, so you could go to bloomnetwork.uk. Um, to find out more about Bloom or just key in Bloomfest 2000 and uh, sorry, sorry, t- uh, 2024, The Lift and it will pull up, you know, the um, event for the 7th of February and I hope people can make it. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks.